0: Let's take our Bibles and we're going to turn to 1 John chapter three. First John chapter three. We're uh, looking here in in verse one, as and we're unpacking a few things from this verse. Uh, this, as I mentioned uh, the last uh, last week, this verse is virtually inexhaustible. But uh, uh, we want to look at, uh, at several uh, things that God shows us from this from this verse. And uh, learn a little bit about the love of God because uh, the Bible says we love Him because He first loved us. And that's our, that's our theme verse for this year. Uh, and, and we love Him because He first loved us. And we want to learn about that love, and we want to respond to Him in love. Uh, and anything we do, we want to do it by loving God. as we say, uh, as we've said uh, before, if we can't get there by loving God, we don't want to get there at all, right? Uh, so, uh, so we want to respond to His love by loving Him. And then we want to respond to His love by loving what He loves. God loves the church. Amen and god has god has has told us in his word that, that christ gave himself for the church he purchased the church with his own blood uh, the church is important let me, let me just encourage you with this now i, I know I, I know it uh, it may you know i you're the ones that are here on this sunday morning so uh, so i don't i don't want you to feel like i'm ganging up on you or anything like that but uh, but but uh, here's here's the reality many times people don't understand the importance of church and they they think, they think well, I can, I can just live stream a service, or I can listen to the message later, and I, and I don't have to be there. But there are several reasons why you need to be at church. One is because God commanded it. For a child of God, ch- church attendance really isn't optional. It's a command of God. Now, we shouldn't do it because we're commanded, because we have to. Remember, we want to do it because we love God. That's our motivation, Right, We want to do what he he says for us to do because we love him. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Isn't that interesting? He didn't didn't say, hey, you keep my commandments whether you like it or not. No, he's given us his commandments, but he wants us to keep those commandments because we love him. And And God has commanded us in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Church attendance really isn't optional for a child of God. It's obedience to His command. And we should do it out of a heart of love. That's one reason. Another reason is because because we need preaching, right? We need the preaching of the Word of God. Now, this time together in church, uh, it it should not be the only time we, we get the Word of God during the week. You need to be opening your Bible each and every day and, and reading the Word of God. You need to be taking in the Word of God, feeding on the Word of God every day of your, of your life. And it's so important that you do that. But the Bible tells us that God has chosen, uh, chosen preaching uh, to communicate His Word. And, and we're, we're taught by preaching. We're, uh, we're encouraged by preaching. We're convicted by preaching. We're challenged by the preaching of the Word of God. God has chosen preaching uh, to take place in the church to, uh, to proclaim his truth and to teach his people uh, and, and so we need preaching that's another reason to be faithful to attend a uh, church now uh, then uh, then another reason is because we need the fellowship we need the encouragement from brothers and sisters in Christ I don't, I don't know about you, but, but many times my weeks are so packed with stuff that, that I, 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 need, I need fellowship. I've got things, I've got pressures and burdens and, and cares and, and all these things pulling at me and weighing me down, and, and I need the encouragement of God's people. I read His Word, I pray, I fellowship with God, and I'm encouraged by Him, but God has chosen the church to provide fellowship and encouragement. And you know what? Many times when I show up and I, and, and I, and I see you come in here, many of you, I, I know your stories. I know the struggles that you go through, some of the struggles you go through. Not by first-hand experience. I don't know it like you do. But I know some of them because of the things that you've shared with me. And I am encouraged by your presence here. I am encouraged by the very fact that you show up. With the things that you're, that you're going through. But it also encourages me when, when, uh, when, someone, when someone speaks a word of encouragement. And we get to fellowship together. And as we're talking together I see the spiritual growth. And we encourage one another in this way. Hey, we need fellowship. Fellowship. But it's, but, it's not, uh, but that's, not, that's not the only reason. Not just because God's commanded, not just because we need preaching, and not just because you need the, the fellowship, but somebody needs your fellowship. That's another reason to show up. See, we're a part of a body. And the body can only function as well as the body parts show up. And God has, God has, has put us together as the church. And He's blessed us to be part of this body, and I'm so grateful for that. And I want to encourage you not to not to miss, unless you are uh, as as they say providentially hindered. You know, if, if you're sick, hey, if you're sick, that's understandable. You know, Mama said share, but you can you can be selfish with germs, right? You can, you can keep your germs, and we, we, want you, we want to encourage you to do that because that'll help you get better quicker and not spread that all around. Uh, but uh, we, we, want to, we want to encourage you to, to be a part. I believe many people miss out so much on what God wants to do in their lives because they, because they, they are a casual attachment to a church. But they're not a committed member, they're not a part. Be a part. Because God's doing some great things around here. And I don't don't want you to miss a thing. Uh, And it's it's so important that that we come and we gather together like this. And in his love, God, God wants you to love what he loves. He loves the church. And not only does God love the church, but God loves the loves the lost. God loves the people out there that have yet to trust him as their savior. And He wants you to love them as well. When we respond to His love, we love Him because He first loved us. And we will love Him uh, in response. But He also wants us to love what He loves. He wants us to love the church. And He wants us to love the lost. And we'll love them and we'll show that we love them when we go and we share the gospel with them. When we maintain a Christ-like attitude and a spirit in front of them, even when they do us wrong we're going to love them we're going to be a witness to them paul said ye are our epistles written in our hearts known and read of all men you know what he's saying there to put it to put it simply he said you are the only bible many people will ever read you are the testimony of cross point baptist church to the world out there they see you show up. They, they hear you uh, talk about your church. Oh, where do you go? to? I go to Crosspoint. And, and, and so what they see in you is what they think Crosspoint is all about. That's kind of a big responsibility, isn't it? So what would you want to, but, but more than, more than, more than what, they, what they think of Crosspoint, when they see you and they know you come to Crosspoint, they hear that you are Christian. And what you are is what they think Christianity is all about. They think that salvation is all about. So what kind of testimony do you want to have for Jesus Christ? What kind of testimony do you want to have for Crosspoint? What kind of testimony do you want to have to reach lost people for Jesus Christ? I believe it should be a testimony of love. A testimony of holiness. A testimony of, of, of striving for righteousness. Now, we're not perfect, but that's no excuse. We should strive for it and we should yield to the Spirit of God as He is daily working in our lives and we respond to Him out of love. Yes, I might have, li- I might have enjoyed this habit in my life, but God, God has shown me that it's not, it's not uh, the best thing for me to do to be a good testimony for Him. So because I love Him, I'm going to put aside that habit that I've had. That's the way we need to approach it. That's the heart that we need to have. This is, a, this is a, a, an activity that I've enjoyed in my life, and, uh, but, but God's, God's Word teaches that it's, that it's wrong, it's sinful, it's, it's fleshly, it's worldly, and so I, I'm going to put aside that activity, that entertainment, or whatever it may be, because I want to be a good testimony for Jesus Christ, because I love Christ. We respond to Him out of a heart of love. And God's Word teaches us just how we do that. And it teaches us by the example of Jesus Christ. He teaches us how to love Him and how to love others. And and it's the way Christ loved us. The Bible says in, in 1 John chapter 3, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Last week we talked about the nature of his love and talked about how incomparable his love is. There's no love like Jesus love. There's no love like the love that God uh, had for us and, and it's it's incomparable. Uh, his love is everlasting. We see that, we see that he, he tells us in Jeremiah, I Love thee with an everlasting love. There's never going to be a time in eternity. There's never going to be a point in eternity uh, when, when He stops loving you. God uh, loves you and He loves you uh, with an everlasting love. And then lastly, we, we looked at last week that His love is unconditional. It doesn't matter what you do or don't do. God still loves you. Isn't that amazing? Now religion will tell you, God, God will get mad at you and He's not going to like you if, you if you don't do all these things. But God said, I love you. And there's nothing that's going to change that. What a blessing to know God's love is unconditional. And this is the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated. Uh, the Bible tells us, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. That word bestow, it means to give. And this is the kind of love, the incomparable love, the everlasting love, the unconditional love that God gave to you and me. This morning, we want to look at the gift of His love. And talk about the gift that God's love is. The Bible says, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus gives this gift because He loves us. And He, he, uh, uh, he loved us so much that it caused Him, it moved Him to action. That word gift... Uh, the word gift, in, in the Greek, it, it literally means gracious gift. It's a, it a, a, a it is a, I'm trying to think of, a, think of a right way to describe this. It's an extremely generous gift. And still that doesn't do it justice, does it? The gift of God that is eternal life given to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Provided for us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because He gave us the gift of His love. This gift is offered. But the gift, the gift, while he, God offers that gift to us, the recipient must receive that gift or we reject that gift. The Bible says, but God commendeth His love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated His love through dying for you and me. Jesus demonstrated His love through His death, His burial, and the resurrection. This morning we're talking about the gift of His love. And no gift comes without a cost. Let's look at the cost. The cost of this gift in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 the Bible says let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God Jesus uh, God the Son God uh, he, he's, he is God incarnate he's God in the flesh that's what that means he God became man Jesus, while there in heaven, in eternity past, he knew that man would sin. He knew that sin would, would come with a price. And, and he knew that the price that must be paid was, was death. He knew that blood must be shed for the atonement of sins. And, that, and he knew that sinful man could in no way ever pay the price for his sin to, 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 to satisfy a just and holy God. That's why hell is for eternity. But God commendeth His love toward us. In eternity past, God saw that we couldn't, we couldn't pay the price for our sins. And God loved us. And so He demonstrated His love by Jesus coming. Jesus leaving heaven and becoming a man. He, he, uh, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but He made Himself of no reputation. And He took upon Him the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself further. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. See the cost that Jesus the price that Jesus paid the cost of your salvation and mine uh, this love that this love that, that is a gift it was it came with a cost and the cost was the life of Jesus Christ it meant that he had to become a man and it meant that he had to live uh, live among men and walk among men and and interact with interact with sinful man but God did that because he loves us and he wants to have that fellowship with us But He didn't stop with that, He went to the cross. He went to the cross and and paid the price for our sins. The Bible says. The Bible tells us in in the Gospels uh, that that Jesus, uh, remember, Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, and he's, as he's praying, the the, uh, the the soldiers come, the officers come, uh, the chief priests and the elders came from the temple uh, to arrest Jesus, and and the, they and they took Jesus and took him before the Sanhedrin, and they and they listened to his listened to his testimony. They asked him, Are you the Son of God, and when he answered them, uh, Caiaphas, the high priest, tore his robe, and and he said, he said, "What need we further witness? He's, he's condemned himself." In Luke chapter twenty-two, the Bible says the men that held Jesus mocked him and smote him, and when they had blindfolded him, they struck him in the face, and. And, said, and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is it that smote thee? And many other things blasphemously spake they against him. These, these men punching God. These men slapping God and spitting, spitting in the face of God and, and, and cursing him and blaspheming his name and, and mocking him. Bible tells us they they took Jesus from there and went to Pilate and and when Pilate uh, the governor uh, the Roman governor when he heard that Jesus was from was from Herod's jurisdiction he sent him before Herod and and Herod wanted Jesus to do some miracle he thought this was good, this was great I mean this is this is better than America's got talent Jesus is here and he's going to do some trick for me But Jesus wasn't going to do some miracle to satisfy uh, Herod's curiosity. So Herod sent him back to Pilate. And Pilate's wife said to him, said, said, have nothing to do with that just man. I've I've suffered many things in a dream uh, because of him. Pilate comes out and, and listens to the testimony and, and listens to the witnesses and, and, he, and he says, I find no fault in him. Then he brings out Barabbas, a prisoner that had caused insurrection, had been, had, caused, had been a rebel against Rome and had fought against them and stirred up trouble. And he brought Barabbas out and was going, to, was going to present him to the crowd because every year at this time, Pilate would release unto them a prisoner. And so he said, do you want this, do you want this troublemaker that's going to bring more trouble upon you? Or do you want Jesus, who's done nothing wrong? They chose Barabbas. They asked for Barabbas, and, and he released Barabbas unto them. And the Bible says when he, uh, that he said, what do you want me to do with Jesus? And they said, crucify him. Pilate said, what wrong has he done? And they said, uh, he said, I find no fault in him. And, he, and they said, if you release him, you are no friend of Caesar." That Pilate got a little nervous that somebody was going was gonna to tell on him to Rome that he had sided with this one that was called the King of the Jews and so Pilate the Bible says he delivered Jesus when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. that word scourged it doesn't seem like a whole lot necessarily, but what they would do is they would take a, they would take a, 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 a several long leather straps that had that had pieces of pieces of of stone and bone and maybe some pottery and even some metal embedded in there and and they would take they, they these straps were were connected to a to a handle and and this was a this was called the cat of nine tails and they would take their they would take their prisoner with their hands with their hands tied and they would and they would bow that prisoner over over a post like this where the back was stretched tight and the, those Roman soldiers took great pleasure in taking that whip and beating those beating those prisoners and they were very skilled with this and many times prisoners would die they would bleed to death and be ripped in half there at the whipping post this is the beating that Jesus suffered the Bible says that he was, he was, his visage was marred his, his, as you look upon him you couldn't even hardly tell that he was a man he was ripped up even, even the, uh, the best depictions that Hollywood can come up with, uh, or any person has been able to, to paint or to draw, uh, to give us a, a picture of what Jesus might have looked like, even that falls so short. Because the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us in Psalms, Jesus, uh, the Messiah says, He says, I may look and tell all of my bones, they look and stare upon me. Every one of his bones was exposed. They beat him, and they del- and Pilate delivered him to be crucified. They laid a cross on his back, and he's carrying that cross and they bid one Simon of Cyrene to come and help him and 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 they uh, well, I'm, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here let's just, let's just read what the Bible says here in in uh, matthew 20, uh, 27, uh, verses twenty six through thirty one then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him, and they put on him a scarlet robe, and when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying. Hail King of the Jews and they spit upon him and they took the reed and smote him on the head and after they had mocked him they took the robe from him and put on him his his own raiment and led him away to crucify him. Verse 35 says and they crucified him and parted his garments casting lots that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet they parted my garments among them and upon my vesture did they cast lots and sitting down they watched him there And set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then there were two thieves crucified with him, the one on the right hand and the other on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross." Likewise, all the chief, also the chief priests, mocking Him with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others. Himself He cannot save. If He be the King of Israel, let Him now come down from the cross and we'll believe Him. He trusted in God. Let Him deliver Him now if He will have Him. For He said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with Him cast the same in His teeth. Jesus hanging on the cross with... Spikes driven through his hands and through his feet, uh, hanging up there on the cross. And uh, what a what a terrible, terrible, cruel way uh, to to execute someone. They would literally suffocate to death as their body is, is in excruciating pain. They would hang there, uh, sus- uh, hang there by those nails in their hands, uh, holding them up, and, and and that would put pressure uh, on their lungs. And when they couldn't when they couldn't stand it anymore, they needed to they needed a breath. They would push up. With their feet uh, pushing against the nails that are driven through their feet just to just to gulp in some air. And, and when they get, a, get all that they could handle, they drop back down and, and just go through this, go through this process uh, uh, all, all through that day until they would until finally suffocate. The Bible says, now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to say, My God, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard it, said, This man calleth for Elias. Straightway one of them ran and took a sponge, and filled it with vinegar, and put it on a reed, and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be. See, let us see whether Elias will come and save him. When he had yet cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. One of the other gospel writers shows us that what Jesus cried was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then he said, Into thy hand I commend my spirit. And he bowed his head and yielded up the ghost. He died for us. Jesus purposefully gave his life for me and you. What a price. What a price that was paid there on the cross. God shedding his blood. His spotless, sinless, perfect, holy blood. And giving his life for sinful, rebellious evil, wicked sinners. Now wait a minute, I'm I'm not all that bad, we may think, but yeah, we are. Because your sin caused the death of Jesus Christ. This is the kind of love that Jesus had for us. He was willing to give himself for us, the Bible, the Bible teaches us that this is the kind of love, really this is the kind of love that we should have for one another. Husbands, the Bible tells us, husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He gave himself. Not just to come to earth. But he gave himself to live and to die for us. We're to to love our wife in such a manner that we are willing to give ourselves for her? Yeah. To sacrifice your wants, your desires, your goals, your dreams, all that you want to meet her needs? Yeah. But I thought I was the head of the home. Yeah. Yeah. God says that. And what better way to be the head than to serve? What better way to be a leader than to serve those that you're following? uh, Serve those that are following you. What better way to, to to show that you are a leader worth following than to give yourself To make sure the needs of those who are coming behind you are met and cared for. What better way? I don't find a better way. This is the example that Jesus left us. He lived His life, a perfect life, and, and, and provided him, uh, for, for His disciples. He met the needs of, of multitudes. He healed the sick and raised the dead. He, he met the needs. And while we don't have the power to heal the sick and raise the dead, and, and we can't take t- uh, five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 men plus women and children, we can't do that, but we can give ourselves to do all we can uh, to, to, uh, to serve our families and, and friends. We can. The Bible says, even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. See, many times, many times we want to, we want to. Uh if, if we go to work, right? Uh, we uh, we want to go to work. We want to work our job. We want to everybody just leave us alone. Just let me get my job done, and we want to go home and, and send the kids to the room so they're not giving me a headache. And I just want to sit in my lazy boy and, and drink uh, drink some iced tea or some coffee or some lemonade or whatever it is, and uh, and just and I want to sit there and watch my watch my shows and, and, and until she gets the until she gets the dinner ready. that's no way to serve that's certainly not the way that Jesus showed us by his example was it no what did Jesus do the Bible shows us he came to the upper room where he was going to have a meal with his disciples and he took an apron and girded himself and a basin of water and and he washed his disciples feet he served them he loved them Enough to serve them. What a great example we can find in Jesus Christ. In the way that He loved. See. Again loving God's way. Is a love that is going to cost. It's a love that's going to require some action. Some sacrifice. It's going to require you to do something for them. Not because you have to. But you do it because you want to. Because you love them. The Bible tells us God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Galatians chapter 5 says, Brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. You know what this means? This means that that men, we're not just to serve our wives in love. But this means we're to serve our children. This means we're to serve our brothers in Christ. This means we're we're to serve our our church family. This means we're, we're supposed to serve one another. And not just the men, the ladies too. We're serving one another. How can we do that by watching out looking out being sensitive to the needs of those around you not not being all self focused and see here's 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 why it's so important to be at church because you you won't ever see the needs of others if you're if you just barely ever show up right or if you're hit and miss in your attendance you're not going to be you're not going to be in tune with with what's going on in people's lives if you're not spending time with them. You know what? Uh, somebody, uh, years ago somebody said the best way to spell love is T-I-M-E. You know how we can love each other? Let's spend some time together. You know how you can show your, uh, your church family that you love them? Spend some time with them. Don't slide in uh, at the last minute before the service, and run away right away. I know, I know, I know. Uh, many, many folks have been you've been real good about hanging around and fellowshiping and things like that, and that's so good. It's so needful, but you don't just have to do it after church. There's time before church too. And and you know what? Another way that you, that we can that we can serve one another is by participating in ministry. Today, uh, today, they just just started the baby nursery. And some of the ladies have been working hard getting that organized and getting, getting uh, workers lined up for that and, and uh, the structure and how things should, should happen and all that, the policies and procedures and everything. Just uh, Lots of work has been going into this baby nursery. But now there's people that, that, are, that are, are in there keeping the nursery. And you know what? Next week we're going to need people keeping the nursery. And the week after that, we need people keeping the nursery, and and these ladies—they've they, recruited some and all—but I'm sure they could probably use some more help. Uh, we we have uh, we have the children's class, and and you know what? Probably, if if I were to guess, probably some of those that are serving in the children's class are also trying to serve in children in the baby nursery. If I were to guess, they're probably doing that. But what if, what if? What if everybody said, hey, I want to see what I can do to serve. We love Jesus. Hey, let's put that that love to action. Amen? There's uh, all of this setup. We we set it up each each Sunday morning and take it down after the the service. With all all of this stuff going on, hey, there's there's a need for, for help. I'm not preaching this message this morning just to say that. It that just kind of came up as I was preaching uh, that, that, hey, this is a way that we can serve one another. And you know what? While we're doing this together, we're fellowshipping together. We're talking together. and We're, we're serving together. We're serving one another in love. And then, then, then we become, we, we feel even more like we're apart when we're investing the love of God cost him something ultimately he he gave this so that so that we could have salvation he he paid this price so that we could be saved let me ask you this what are you willing to do so that others may be saved are you willing to are you willing to uh, to take a uh, take a stack of invitations and give them out? Are you willing to, to live a life that reflects Christ to the world around you? And to tell them about the difference that Jesus will make in their lives? Are you willing to, to obey God's word by giving, giving your tithe and, and then over and above the tithe, giving to, giving to the mission, uh, missions uh, uh, projects that our church is, is a part of? To go around the world with the gospel. Are you willing to let it cost you? If you're going to be obedient to God, you will. And if you truly love God the way that God wants you to love Him, the way that we should love Him, you will. But He doesn't want you to do it because you have to. He wants you to do it because you love Him. If we can't get there by loving Jesus, we don't want to get there at all. And this love that came at such a great cost, such a a tremendous cost, we see, secondly, it's freely given. It's freely given. I'm going to hurry now um, and, try, and try to get through this very quickly. His love was freely given. Jesus said in John chapter 10, No man taketh it from me, speaking of his life. He said, No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. He said, Nobody's taken my life. I'm giving it freely. I am willingly giving my life. Romans chapter 5 tells us, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is, is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is a figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners... So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Now that's, that's kind of a, lot of a lot of talking back and forth. And, and let, let me, let's boil it all down and here's what it's saying. Just as Adam sinned and brought sin into the world, death came along with that sin. Death came with sin when Adam sinned. And that death and, and that death and sin has passed upon all men. Because we're all sinners. But just as Adam introduced sin into the world and brought death with it, Jesus Christ introduces eternal life to the world. Amen. He, he introduces justification. It's God declaring us to be righteous. He introduces forgiveness of sin. And eternal life. That is available because of the price that He paid. And it is freely given. God gives this amazing gift... Expecting nothing in return. So you don't pay him for his gift. A, gift. a gift can only be... He's the one that purchased it. And he's offering it to you. You can only receive it or reject it. When we see his, his love freely given causes us to think about how our love is so often given with strings attached. That's not unconditional love. That's not love the way that Christ loved us and it's not the way that Christ wants us to love others. I think of I think of many of the testimonies of, of believers in the past who've been, who've been persecuted for their faith and have been beaten and, and martyred. And, and while, they're, while they're going through this, this t- time of difficulty, they would look at their, at their oppressor, they would look them in the eyes and say, I love you. How is that possible? Because they've experienced the love of Christ and they've chosen to love like God loves. This person that is doing them bodily harm and is going to extinguish their life, they look at them and say, I love you. What manner of love is this? It's the kind that God God has. It's the kind He gives. It's the kind He wants you to give to others. Well, they just don't know how that made me feel. Well, how do you think Jesus feels whenever you act out, whenever you act ugly, whenever you're a bad testimony? See, it's it's not about you. It's about Jesus. So we love them in spite of how they treat us. We love them regardless of what they do to us. We love them. Now, loving them doesn't mean that they have to be your best buddy. But it does mean that you love them unconditionally. Regardless of what they do. You know, moms and dads, have you ever had your kid to not want to eat the food that you gave them? They're sitting there in their high chair and you give them food and they just knock it everywhere or throw it? Or they you say eat this or or you tell them you tell them do this. No. And they might act ugly at you. Does that mean well pfft Tough luck for you, kid. I don't love you anymore. No. We still love them, don't we? We love them enough to lovingly teach them how to act. And we lovingly teach them how to respond. And we lovingly teach them that that's not what you're supposed to do. Right? We love them enough to teach them that that's not how you're supposed to act. When somebody, when a friend or or a coworker, somebody somebody else does us wrong, the Bible says a soft answer turneth away wrath. But that's not what we do, is it? We like to, oh yeah, well what you know, and we go back at them. I'm not going to let anybody trample all over me. That's not a Christ-like spirit, and that's not the love of God. God's not telling us to be pansies. He says first to be meek, but that is strength under control. Just because you can whoop them, just because you can give that guy a beat down, doesn't mean you should, right? Just because you can give them a verbal tongue, tongue lashing and put them in their place, doesn't mean you should. But you're, as a child of God, what it does mean is that you should love them and you should respond to them in a way that Jesus would be pleased with, in a way that's going to honor God. It's going to, you should respond to them in a way that's going to cause them to be, why in the world, I, I, just, I just said this to you, and why are you acting that way? Why aren't you coming back at me? You know what that is? It's letting your words be always with grace, seasoned with salt, making them thirsty, Making them want to, want to hear more about, about what you've got to say and, and why, you're, why you're not getting angry at them. See, this is the kind of love that's freely given. And here's the last thing. It's offered to all. It's offered to all. Not just those that are in your little clique. Not those that are, that are you know, your, your best friends and your little, your little group. Let's, let's not be a church of, of, the, of little, little groups here and there, right? And, and let's, let's be careful to guard against that. But while we're guarding against it, let's not get suspicious that they're just trying to be a little clique, right? Let's not act that way. No, this love is offered to all. And God wants all to receive it. He says in John chapter 1, verse 10, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came into His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world. He loved everybody. He loved the the entire world so much that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hey, uh, he 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 so loved the world, and whosoever these words these words tell us that 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 God's love was offered freely to everybody, and God wants everybody to receive it. And 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 while while it. Yes, we're going to have people that we're closer to and, and that we're better friends with uh, perhaps than uh, because we, we've spent more time together or something like that. Hey, but we should be friends to everybody. We should love everybody and we should, be, uh, we should be friendly to everybody and make everybody feel welcome and make everybody feel important and make everybody feel like they are loved because they are. First of all, to Jesus. And because they're important to him, they should be important to me and you. Yesterday I heard a statement that, that I wanted to share with you today. And I want you to think about this. Think about this statement. I don't know who the statement originated with or whatever, but and here it is. You put it up on the on the screen here for everybody. It says, character is revealed by the way you treat someone you think you will never need. Wow. First of all for us to for us to treat somebody good because we think we're going to need them. I mean, what kind of what kind of character is that? But to treat somebody poorly because I'm never going to see them again. I don't need them. That's not good character. I don't need that negativity in my life. I'm just going to cut them off. No, God loved them. God wants you to love them. God wants us to love people. He wants us to love everybody. He doesn't want us to be rude to anybody. He doesn't want us to ignore people. He doesn't want us to be hateful or unkind. He wants us to show his love. Let me ask you, how can you show this kind of love to somebody this week? What are, what are some ways? I want, to, I want to encourage you to think about this. What are some ways that you can practically apply this by loving your, loving your spouse, loving your children, loving your church, loving your coworkers, loving your boss, loving others? Even those that are unlovable, those that irritate you. And we all know people like that. And if it's me, I'm sorry. It was supposed to be a joke, but anyway. <laughs> but I really am sorry if I am the one that irritates you. <laughs> but hey, God wants us to love. We look at his love, his gift of love. The cost was great, but it's freely given and it's offered to all. And he wants you to love that way. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you and praise you for your love. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. And thank you for how your love transforms our lives. Lord, Your love, in your love, you forgive us of our sins. You, it's not an excuse to sin, uh, but it's a, it, it's, it should be out of, out of a heart of, of love for you. It should be a motivation for us not to sin further. Lord, I pray that we would respond to your love and, and live a life of love for you and for those around us. Help us to love what you love. Help us to love like you love. Lord, for all that you do in us and through us, we'll praise you. And we'll bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.